0: Welcome back to Heavy Metal, a podcast about Scooby-Doo. I'm your host, Ethan Brundine, and each week, myself and a guest will take you through a mystery from somewhere in the vast history of the greatest cartoon of all time. My guest this week is vampire expert, TikTok superstar, certified hex girl, it's Lizzie Smith. You remember her from hey. the last time she was here. Welcome back, Lizzie. Glad you're here once again. Um, this is the first episode of Vampirl for the entire month of April. We're going to be covering all vampire episodes. And to kick things off, we've got Lizzie back, and we're talking about what's new Scooby Doo, season two, episode five. The Vampire Strikes Back. Lizzie, welcome back. I'm glad you're here.
1: Thanks so much for having me. And I'm so honored to be one of the first people for Vampirel, was it?
0: Vampirel, yes. Yeah. I
1: I I love that.
0: Thank you. <laughs> I wasn't sure if, if it should be vampiral or vampiral, but I think that sounds actively <laughs> worse. So, <laughs> I settled on vampiral. But yeah, I, I right. was looking over the different vampire episodes, and I, I was looking at this one, and I was like, wow. It's What's New Scooby-Doo? It's vampires. I know Lizzie loves vampires because of the last time she was here. <laughs> and I know she loves the Hex Girls. I mean, who doesn't? So I got to get
2: doesn't?
0: We love that. We love that. It is funny though that the last time you were here, we discussed another vampire episode. Um,
1: Yeah, it actually occurred to me as I was watching that it seems like the vampires in the Scooby Doo cinematic universe—they kind of have it out for people in the arts.
0: Yeah, they hate them. They hate them. them. Yeah. Which I think is adverse to your typical, uh, you know concept of, of vampires as being very, you know, romantic and um and gothic in nature.
3: Right.
1: Uh, yeah. You'd
0: think they'd you'd be think all they about art.
1: all about, you know, the, the old
3: art and the old music, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um Lizzie, the uh last time we, we were on, we you know we t- we discussed scooby doo mystery. Incorporated, Mm -hmm. um, which you had very limited experience with. Um, But this time we're talking what's new Scooby Doo. And I know you had to have watched What's New Scooby Doo when you were.
1: Oh, this was like my era of Scooby Doo. I could, I have that intro song. I know it by Mm -hmm. heart.
0: Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So this, so this was one of your go to's as a kid.
1: Oh, yeah. For sure.
0: Um, Great. Did you remember this episode at all? Um, like in, like passively or anything like that? Or was this a thrilling new adventure for you?
2: I think I honestly,
1: like, I just remember the Hex Girls. Mm-hmm. So rewatching it was a joy because still that comedy holds up. Um, mm-hmm. But also there were, you know, it was kind of, a. it was almost like watching it again for the first time because I yeah. remember so little from the first time I watched it besides. Oh
0: my gosh, the Hex Girls are so cool. They're so cool. They're just the They're coolest They're so people. cool. Um, I mean, the Hex Girls have have a life outside of Scooby-Doo in terms of people like recognizing them and wanting to be a Hex Girl and all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they first appear in um, Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost, uh, the direct-to-DVD film. Um, my pick for... The best Scooby Doo movie of the animated films. Um, And then they show up once again in Scooby Doo Legend of the Vampire, another um, direct to DVD movie. And that is right around this time. So now they're back and they're back in the TV show. um, And they're just, I'm really glad that they decided to make them a recurring character because they're just so cool. And everyone loves these ladies. They're they're the
1: coolest. I love that. They are such, you know, they're like the epitome of early two thousands style and cool Mm -hmm. girl, like the cool girl era.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that like raspy vocal fry that they have, Mm -hmm. you know, um, the the like bright dark aesthetic. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. neon gothic almost exactly exactly um eventually because there's three of them obviously thorn dusk and luna Mm -hmm. um we stand, of course but eventually they um redesign luna's character to be uh, a person of color um she she becomes a black person later on but that isn't until um I think her next appearance is in Mystery Incorporated is when they make that change. Um oh, which is very cool. yeah, which is cool. Um, you know, why not why not instead of just having three pale white girls, which is fine. We love pale mm-hmm. white girls, of course. But you know, let's get some diversity in there. But um they're just they they rule. I mean, you got they don't really get into it in this episode, but Thorne, the lead is a is a wicken individual, which is
2: mm-hmm.
0: awesome. I mean, that's just more things that we thought were cool when we were kids, you know. <laughs> um, did you, when you were a kid, did you know of anyone who like, like I remember talking to people and they'd be like, "Oh, there's this guy who lives in my neighborhood, and he's a Wiccan. Like, he, <laughs> he does magic and stuff. Like, he can do spells." <laughs> Was that an experience that you had?
2: I I
1: can't say that it is, although, A, I did spend a lot of my childhood in Seattle, Washington, so I think it sure. wouldn't have been as jarring as it is in Texas. Right. Um, yeah. But B, I, as it turns out, have ended up being, I think, one of those Wiccans who in the neighborhood all the children speak in right. hushed whispers of.
0: That is true. You are. <laughs> and
1: it may be a direct result of the Hex, the hex Girls.
0: <laughs> you are that person in my life now that yeah. I think about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that's such an
2: honor.
0: <laughs> um, wow, Seattle, Washington. I mean, that is prime vampire real estate right there.
1: Yeah. I mean, for real. Just up north in Forks. Yeah. Got, one of the most famous vampires of all time
0: it is crazy that this was pre like watching this something from our childhood and thinking about it being pre-twilight like twilight had not when was the book twilight released right like it was like 2005 or something like that right yeah
3: um, let's see i'm gonna
0: look it up the
3: movie of course is well, the movie was 2008 yeah. so when yeah. was the book
0: Huge stuff, Twilight. Um,
3: Just to October
1: 5th,
0: 2005. Perfect. So that's, I think, wow. literally contemporary with this. I think this episode comes out, let's see, October 18th,
2: 2003. So, oh, wow,
0: um, we can only assume that you know, Stephanie Meyer was watching this, <laughs> <laughs> and then and that's then, how
1: we got Edward Cullen.
0: Yep, she watched this, she saw. Stew <laughs> for Descu, <laughs> fell madly in love, and then um, wanted to work that into her um, beliefs about abstinence.
1: <laughs> exactly,
0: yeah, right on the um, money. I mean, Twilight, obviously, an extremely foundational text um, for our generation. Um, I mean, you're the you're the the book talker so you would know better <laughs> than I would but um, obviously it's just huge huge stuff oh yeah um, did you read the books
3: I read them
1: ages ago before I had any business reading them I think I was maybe like 11
4: mm-hmm. but
1: I have been thinking lately that they might be worth a reread
0: yeah yeah Um. I do think it would be very fascinating to read those, like with a mostly developed prefrontal cortex. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah. Some level of um, like emotional maturity um, to go back and, and read those and, and understand, especially knowing like what we know now about stephanie meyer and uh i always mm-hmm. want to say suzanne collins but that's obviously the other that's one <laughs> yeah um, i don't want to to get them confused um twilight a very important part of my youth uh because um you know about Twilentine's day of course um when i was in high school me and my friends each Uh, My male friends. This was an important rule. Had to be all (laughs) all boys. Uh, Every um, Valentine's Day, we would get together for five years in a row and watch each of the like watch a new Twilight movie every year. Um, And at the time, I was you know I was very much these movies are awful. They you know they're they're ridiculous. How embarrassing! All the performances are bad. But as I have matured and um, and (laughs) just am no longer, you know, like a fifteen-year-old boy who's been (laughs) influenced by what the internet says about these things, I've come to really appreciate Twilight, and I think that it is, um, especially that first movie. It's really just very fun, um, like pulpy. you know, just just very big dramatic movies that have a really mm. important place in culture, especially for um, you know young people. And um, I think that those, I think that the two leads are actually giving very good performances. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, Taylor Lautner, not so much. He's not a very good actor, but um, the other two, you know, Kristen and Rob, they're they're actually doing some interesting things with the material that they've been given. Um, Yeah. I have read that first book, and I don't think it's very good, I'll be honest with you. But I do think that the movies elevate it a little bit and become their own thing.
1: I think, I mean, dare I say that they are at a cult classic level? Is it too soon for that? I feel like if not, it's definitely on the fast
0: track. I think the reappraisal has easily come. I mean, it is extremely... To to be like to like hate Twilight or whatever is a very dated thing. It, you know, it's mm-hmm. like it's like if you were still calling Justin Bieber gay or something. It'd be just like, yeah, what? are you still in two thousand eleven? Like, what is this? What are you doing? Um, especially because obviously Kristen Stewart and and Robert Pattinson have have put the work in to reinvent their careers as time has gone on. Mm-hmm. Um, so people have sort of looked back and maybe reassessed those movies, or maybe not. I don't know. Um, but uh, But they do have a very special place in my heart, and I think that the first one certainly is just a good movie, and then the others are just get increasingly silly mm. and bonkers as they go on, um, oh, which yeah. has its place too. Um, I do always think it's interesting um you know just to soapbox for a moment about how that first movie um you know Twilight of course was uh the only one to be directed by a woman um you know it was directed by um oh what's her name uh, she, I I just watched um Red Riding Hood, which she also made, which is bad. Uh, but Catherine Hardwick. Catherine <laughs> Hardwick, she uh-huh. made uh, Twilight, and she was you know an indie director at the time who was given this opportunity to make this movie that no one thought would be huge because it was intended for you know young girls, which means that it's you know naturally a lesser art form than you know like being handed a Transformers movie or something like that. Um, but then when Twilight was a success. They took it away from her. She was not allowed to direct the others, mm-hmm. and they gave it to a bunch of men. And I think that the quality dramatically decreases as they progress, um, mm-hmm. which is interesting. <laughs> to say It words. says
1: here that she's from Texas, and she went to UT Austin. So I'm seeing wow. why this first show was such a wild success.
0: Yeah, must be that must be the reason.
1: <laughs> Something in that Texas water.
0: Yeah. I mean, Catherine Hardwick has some highs and her lows in her career, but I certainly think that Twilight is one of those highs, so she should have been given the chance to continue doing it. Um, but, anyways, it is interesting to think about this in a pre-Twilight world. They do later on Kind of address Twilight, uh, there is a uh, recurring character in Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated, um, where Daphne starts dating a actor named Taylor Hotner, um, <laughs> which makes Fred very jealous. Um, I'm but, sure it does, yeah, yeah. Um, what about just what are your thoughts on vampires in general? What you're now the most seasoned. Vampire expert on this show, so um, oh my gosh, yeah. what do you think?
1: Well, that's that's really gratifying to know that I have reached that level of expertise. Um, I love a good old fashioned vampire. I think, I mean, you've got obviously your Dracula, the OG. Mm-hmm. Which um, have you ever read that book?
0: I've never read it. No, um, I've seen about. Four different adaptations of Dracula, though, Um, Mm -hmm. which obviously (laughs) doesn't mean anything. But no, I've not read the book. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: so obviously Dracula is very much a pop culture icon, but the book is genuinely like one of the only novels that is like made me very like feel sick. Like, oh, it's very gory, and it's I. It was so ahead of its time. Um, You know, we love Dracula. I love. I think just the concept of vampires in general, there's so mm-hmm. much that you can work with. Yeah. Um, as a you know, a creator and as a viewer and just as a person, you know, there's so much vampire mythology.: Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a fan.
0: <laughs> I always come back to vampires. I always want to be like, well, my favorite uh my favorite like... Halloween monsters, werewolves, or something, but then I'm like, no, no. the the track record for vampires is just unbeatable. There's so much great vampire media. There's so many things, as you say, that you can do with them. They could be metaphors for so many different things. They can be, you know, they can be scary. They can be funny. They can be romantic. They can be all all sorts of stuff. I mean, vampires are just the best. They they rule. It's why we're doing. Vampire. I was just like, I love vampires. I want to talk some more about vampires. Um, Have you seen the uh, Francis Ford Coppola Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula? um, I have not. With Winona and Gary Oldman and Keanu. I've
1: seen, seen like, on, you know, just circulating around the internet, you know, stills from that, but I've never actually
0: watched it. Lizzie, I cannot give you a greater recommendation than watching that movie um is one of my favorite movies ever made it is so good and it is so so <laughs> like high drama you know what i mean like it's mm-hmm. it's the perfect the per every everything's absolutely cranked to, to eleven. it's all um the like the costumes, the production design, the cinematography, the music, the performances—everything is is really just playing to the rafters, and it is so crazy and 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 good. And like they, you know, Coppola claims that he wanted to make the most faithful ad, uh, adaptation of the original novel. I don't know if that is the case because I have not read the original novel, but it is. The movie is long and the book is like dictionary sized, right? Like it's huge. Um, so I can only assume um, mm-hmm. that is where my, my literary expertise comes in is, well, the movie's long and the book is too, so they must be the same. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I cannot recommend that movie more. I mean, to people in general, but especially to you, Lizzie, I think they okay. get a lot out of it.
1: I guess I know what I'm doing this weekend.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, But instead, we're going to talk about
0: um, something that maybe isn't high drama, but um, is certainly fun, which is this episode of What's New Scooby-Doo? As we said, uh, season two, episode five, The Vampire Strikes Back, um, which has a cold open. Love a good cold open in a Scooby-Doo episode. Yes. Um, We're at this spooky, rainy castle. Fortescue Castle and the Hex Girls are there filming a music video. Um,
3: what do you think of their aesthetic here?
1: I um, I just love it so much. I think it is so 2000s at the same time that it is timeless, sort of like uh-huh. El Enchanted. Oh, yeah. Um, I love the cold open. I know it's very cliche but one of my favorite favorite tropes in TV and film is when you open on something that you think is real and then you find out that it's not that it's actually a play or a movie or something. Yeah. I just can't get enough of that.
0: Yeah. The opening on on Thorn in her um, you know, the, the lead singer in her wedding garb because the music video is for their song. When a wed but I fled, uh, which is a real banger. Really um just a very fun, peppy two thousands tune. Um and they're all all three of them are in wedding gowns in this big spooky castle in Transylvania. Real like my chemical romance vibes, you know, just just perfect <laughs> um, 2003 cool you know you know tune into vh1 or whatever to watch Mm -hmm. this (laughs) Um, and they're they're singing their song when it gets interrupted by uh, a vampire um, who attacks dusk before we crash cut to the iconic what's new scooby-doo theme song which is we love obviously um, it
1: has stood the test of time, I think, in terms yes. of like ultimate bangers. Yeah, it's up yeah. there.
0: And something that I always find fun um, for the songs that have, like, some of the theme songs are just instrumentation or whatever. But I love that you can immediately tell the era in which each of the the shows are created <laughs> based on the theme song. Like that original song is this very like bubblegum poppy, like you know groovy late 60s tune whereas this is so um you know i mean it's simple Plan, so it's so like like <laughs> pop punk you know is it like, really yeah yeah it's oh so my fun.
2: gosh
1: i never i never realized that it was simple plan but this is that makes a lot of sense
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it <laughs> just, just that's, great that's stuff.
1: why it's so good
0: yeah it's like how um Phineas and Ferb's theme song is sung by Bowling for Soup. It's just like, wow. (laughs) Oh
1: my gosh.
0: (laughs) These are the icons in the early 2000s. We love it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, just what a banger, of course. And then we cut back to just really atmospheric table setting of the gang driving through a Transylvanian village, um, which I just love that in any... Any like vampire media that is set in modern day, but they go to Transylvania and it's still like you know, like basically peasants with pitchforks walking around in the you know, like nothing has changed at all. Is just such a funny trip to me. I love it. And anytime in anything, it just makes me laugh. Um Do you think if you lived in Transylvania, Lizzie? Mm-hmm. Um at any point because it's a it's a land without time of course Um, yeah what what would you what kind of person would you be
1: i frankly would be insufferable i i (laughs) feel like it's sort of akin to living in salem massachusetts Uh except all year round Yeah. yeah so i think that i would open up a nice witchy shop and i would mm-hmm. really like turn it up to an 11 and just go all out with the spooky stuff.
0: Lizzie i think that you should move to Salem, <laughs> Massachusetts. I think that would be I, so good for you.
1: <laughs> so do now that i'm thinking about it.
0: <laughs> Open a little bookstore, <laughs> you know, yeah, with magic stuff in the back. Oh, that'd be really good. And people would be like she's really into this. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, that what a dream. <laughs> um yeah, Transylvania. Um they're talking they've been invited to go to the uh the music videos, so we do establish that in this reality they are already friends with the Hex Girls. Um Daphne wants nothing more than to be an extra in the music video, which like I mean, you and me both, of course. Um and but Shaggy's not having it. He does not want to be in Transylvania. Um, he wants to turn around and go to Bavaria to go to a sausage festival, of course. Um, <laughs> which I think like that, those two things are really indicative of like the two kinds of people that go to this. You know the the Carpathia. You know, like like yeah. on vacations. Like, what which, which type of person are you? What is your what's your vibe? Are you coming for the the beer and the sausage? or Are you coming for like the the historical tours of where Vlad the Impaler killed a bunch of people? <laughs> um, what what are you here for? And you know, honestly, why not both? Um, but they they roll up, and Shaggy's like, "It's not too late." I mean, we're about to drive over this really old bridge and uh fred says you know come on it's just a bridge and they drive over and they immediately destroy this thing this hundreds of year old wooden bridge just falls apart uh, beneath the the weight of the mystery machine um which is perilous you know
1: it's unfortunate how old are the are the gang at this time? Like sh I and mean, like always being able to drive,
0: but Yeah, this iteration they're supposed to be college aged, I think. Okay. Um, like just fresh out of, out of high school, traveling the world, um, probably on Daphne's dime. Um, sure. Yeah, just just driving.
1: I mean, I would I would say that's poor decision making on Fred's part, but if he's, you know, twenty to twenty-one, I can mm-hmm. definitely see you know let's let's just drive over this rickety bridge let's see what happens
0: yeah fred i think in this episode especially uh suffers from impulse control he's sort of yeah. he's very very flighty
2: <laughs> well he yeah. he's a little
1: off his game as yeah. we later find out i wonder if it's the jet lag
0: i don't know i don't know what the thing is maybe he's um maybe he's just super nervous about seeing the hex girls um
1: that's yeah
0: rich who can blame him frankly um but when they get there the, the the hex girls are in the middle of an argument um you know dusk the the drummer of course you know luna plays the piano and uh and um thorn plays the guitar and they all sing which is a very fun makeup of a band <laughs> you know you have a guitar <laughs> a, a drum set and a keyboard <laughs> i mean <laughs> what else do you need really but That's um
4: it.
0: yeah but uh yeah so they're in a fight and dusk um wants to stop filming the the music video um and uh she kind of storms off and and um Fred asks, uh, asks daphne you know what's going on why why is why is why are they fighting and daphne's like well if you read popular magazine fred you know that dusk is thinking of leaving the band to go solo and then she holds up popular magazine which has an animation mistake where whoever was writing the episode drew thorn as the one leaving the band as opposed to dusk uh, which is very silly. I mean, I understand that Thorne is, you know, the the front person. She's the she's the face of the band in some ways, but still, like, read your script, buddy. Whoever was in charge of drawing that, uh, what a what a blunder. Um, I even had to go. I had to, like rewind to make sure that I didn't misunderstand. But nope, they just made a mistake, which happens. Um, it
3: was two thousand and three.
0: Yeah, easily, easily. Um, I. Uh this past the the last semester that I was at Texas Tech um I worked once a week at the radio station and there's this girl who had a show after me um she was in a bunch of my classes um she was the kind of person
3: who would like Answer
0: every question that's asked by a professor, um, which is fine, mm. you know. We we love someone who's dedicated to their academia, of course. Um, sure. she's the kind of person who would like find a way to bring up an anecdote about herself in every answer of a question, right? Like, mm. she was always talking about how she was like, Oh, it's the last time that I was in the um, last time I was in a play at the, at the theater or when I did. <laughs> A solo in the solo in the music department or whatever, um, that would be her kind of thing. So just to paint a picture of the person that we're talking about, um, she was very short and blonde, um, and she was hanging around the, the radio station before our show it was, it was around Halloween time, and she talked about her how she'd come to class yesterday in costume. Um, she had just bought a hex girls' costume. and i asked you know oh obviously i love scooby-doo i have the next girls right like i have now i can i have an in to maybe get to know this person a little more maybe i've thought that she was annoying previously but i can i can have spark a conversation you know maybe you know learn from this and, and move past my Prejudices where I was just from afar, assuming that she was an obnoxious person, which is not fair. Um, you know, so I was like, "Well, now let, let me let me try to to engage." I was like, "So which which hex girl did you go at?" And she looked at me. You know, she's she's like five foot tall and blonde, and she's like, "Which one do you think?"
4: <laughs>
3: Obviously. And I was like, "Okay,
0: <laughs> you and you and his dusk." And she's like, "Yeah." Yeah, I went as done, obviously. And then she went back to the person she was telling the story to who was clearly not interested. And I was just like, wow, okay, maybe, maybe I was, I was right. You're a little, a little self absorbed here. <laughs> but, you know, maybe, maybe it was an off day. Maybe I was being unfair, but um, I just wanted to have a conversation. And clearly I should not have asked such a stupid question as which girl did you go as for Halloween?
1: I um, mean, I don't think it was that unfair. She could have had a and wig and exactly, Thorne or Lena.
0: Exactly. I thought it would be a fun conversation starter, but clearly I was, <laughs> I was <No>. wrong. <laughs> It's like, maybe I could invite her on my podcast. If she loves Hex Girls, I could ask her about Scooby Doo. Nope, that's not happening now. That would be a terrible, terrible interview. You know, like, <laughs> did you watch Scooby Doo growing up? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's what I think of whenever I see Dusk now is that interaction. Um, anyway. <laughs> i can see how that
1: would stand out in your mind
0: (laughs) yeah so um so this is when things the structure of this episode is very bizarre and uh takes an interesting turn here where we um you know we learn that there's a vampire here obviously who's been terrorizing the the shoot of this music video um and fred decides that he uh, is going to set up the trap first, um, which Velma points out is not the way that we do things. Um, please, Fred, we have a very specific you know, uh, roadmap that we follow every single episode. You're going to mess this up? He's like, yeah, come on. We'll do the, we'll do the trap first. Um, so they set up this trap. Uh, it's It's elaborate, of course. They need live bait. Shaggy and Scooby, as they always do, don't want to be the live bait. Um, but Fred's like, why would we have you be the live bait? We want the hex girl. Um, which is again, it's like, Fred, are you feeling okay? Are you sure that you're, you have all your faculties in the right, you know, working right? Um, but no, he wants Velma to dress up as a hex girl, which she does, which is always fun. Whenever we get Velma out of her comfort zone, um, we really like to see that. Um, See her kind of stretch, stretch those muscles. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so she dresses up as a hex girl. She sings a couple bars of the Wed But I Flood song, and then it works. Vampire Just shows like up. That. Yeah. Thelma moves out of the way. He gets knocked over in the trap. And we did it. We're about five minutes into the episode, and we've got the bad guy. Um, Daphne uses instant makeup remover to remove his getup. And uh, we see it's some guy that we obviously don't know because we have been introduced to no other characters yet at this point, <laughs> um, which is funny because to, to, to start with the end is funny. And then um, we meet another character who owns the castle and his name is Owen DeCastle. <laughs> What he introduces himself as. And I was like, wow, okay. (laughs) Um, He's clearly designed after Vincent Price, um, which is always fun whenever they tip their hat to him. Obviously a horror icon of the old days. Uh, And he says that this is Steve Fortescue, uh, who is the ancestor of the original Baron Fortescu, who owned the castle
3: back in the day. Um, and we're like,
0: okay, great. Thank you, sir. Um, we did it. (laughs) Mystery
2: solved.
0: Yeah, great. Uh, can we move on? And then, um, it's revealed that we can't take him away. You know, the police can't come because obviously the mystery machine knocked out. The drawbridge. Which means there's only one place to take Steve for Tescu, which is the dungeon. The
2: dungeon.
0: Love a good dungeon.
3: Lizzie, do you have a dungeon in your house?
1: I don't yet, but I do have plans in the future to either acquire a house with a dungeon built in or install
3: one of my own.
0: Yeah, I think that would be good. Um, you could, you know, oh man, this just reminded me of another. When I was a kid, um, our family was invited to go to this guy's house. Um, he went to for dinner at this guy's house. He was a member of our church. Um, and he and his wife are very, very wealthy. <laughs> um, so we go to his house. It's in the Dominion in San Antonio, which is like, the richest sub uh, sub like suburb of san antonio it's where all the spurs lives where um what's his name george strait lived there the i don't know man. if he still does um he was th- this guy one of this guy's next door neighbors was george strait so we go to this guy's house and it's a five story house lizzie wow. um it's a, yeah so he shows us taking us on a tour of his house he's got you know all these cool paintings and stuff on the walls and we're sitting around the living room and i'm like 11 and he says ethan come here so i get up and i hey how's it going you haven't talked to me much because i'm an 11 year old in your big fancy house he's like uh there's a secret passage somewhere in this room see if you can find it no way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i was like uh-huh, yeah, I will do that, <laughs> so I sort of look around and I find like there's like this this wall that you can push in on behind um behind the bar, right? So we push in on the bar and it goes there's a staircase leading down, I go into these downstairs and um it's a wine cellar that has been designed to look like a dungeon, so he's got like. I don't know if it was real rock or fake rock all over the wall, but my favorite part was up against the wall. He had like real rusty manacles chained to the wall, like where you would have have someone who wronged you at dinner, you know, locked up or whatever. And I was like, "This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> this is a." I will cherish this forever. Thank you for showing me this very much. Um, So yeah, whenever I am obscenely wealthy as an adult, I will be doing this exact thing in my own house. I will have a dungeon. I will have medicals. And I will have thousands of dollars worth of wine (laughs) all hidden behind a secret wall. Um, You can
1: put in a little sound booth in there.
0: mm -hmm. Oh, perfect, perfect. That would be and, so good.
1: Yeah. And then, okay, well, when you have your own dungeon slash sound booth, mm-hmm. you have to invite me over to record another episode. Of course. of course. But we'll do, like, we'll really make it ambient.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I'll dress yeah.
1: up as a hex girl.
0: hmm Yeah. We'll turn up the gain and have, like, like a dripping, <laughs> like, <laughs> pipe in the corner or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It'd be really good. That'd be really good. Um which hex girl would you dress up as, Lizzie? <laughs>
1: um, this, that laugh was funny for you and I, but not your listeners, um, because I am a short, blonde girl. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so, you know, I i guess Dusk, just because it would be easier. But yeah. I think Thorn is just so cool. And if Thorn I could so. manage the wig... I would, I would dress as her for sure. Have you I ever?
0: Her. Have you ever? You've never done uh, Hex Girl's cosplay on your channel, have you?
1: I have I, not. No.
0: Maybe you should. That's something to think about.
1: Maybe I should. It um, could be
0: fun. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So now we're in the dungeon. We're locking up Steve. Uh, Poor Steve. And, mm-hmm.
3: Poor <laughs>
0: Steve. Gotten... The, the guy.
1: The, the director refers to him as. A young boy, but he looks at least like he's in his forties.
0: He looks very old. He's got a a really gnarly widow's peak going on. <laughs>
1: yeah. he, he looks older than the director, and the director's like, Now you listen here, boy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> director I forgot to mention is JJ Hakamoto, who is a recurring character in what's new Scooby-Do. Um of course, first uh first appearing in the second episode of the show, 3D Struction. Um so That's something that I have to mention, or else one of my millions of listeners will, of course, write into the show and and bring that up that I forgot to mention that. So there you go, Uh, JJ Hakamoto. He's barely in this episode, but I guess it was fun for them to be like, well, we already had a director character. Let's just bring him back. Um, So, so yeah, Steve's in the dungeon. He's like, hey, 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 you think you got me, but there's a real vampire out there, and he will get you. but then De- Owen DeCastle <laughs> um, tugs on a noose that's hanging from the ceiling for some reason, and intru- introducing another potential suspect who is Wretchfield, um, <laughs> which is a wild introduction to this character. Uh, um, uh, he is an Igor-esque figure, which is strange because you know. There is no Igor in uh Dracula that is obviously a Frankenstein um creation for that film um but uh, yeah, so he's just this little hunchback guy who comes down and
2: he's like <laughs> and
0: he's a little creep uh, he's walking a bedbug around on a leash. It's really weird uh, um. <laughs> But I do appreciate that they give him a motive other than just like he's a weird-looking guy. <laughs> you know, his his motive is that he hates pop music, which is fine. You know, that's that's as yeah. strong of a motive as you can hope for from a Scooby Doo episode. Um, so we got to keep an eye on Regfield, of course. Um, he's taking them up to their rooms, which don't seem very inviting. You know, Shaggy and Scooby noticed that they're bed is just infested with uh, with bed bugs Gross. horrible um, so, so they decide to sleep on the floor um, and then we cut to Daphne who's changed into her evening wear you know she's got her her nightgown on and she's she's has no problem sleeping in the bed which I think is fun that you know she's Scooby nice that's true. That's true. Yeah, Wait, she's Shaggy got.
1: got the bunk beds, and she's got the nice four poster bed, and it looks yeah. like a, it's pretty roomy in there.
0: A big open window, you know, revealing the valley below. Um, really just the gothic dreams that you could ever hope for, right? Like, just ideal. Um, I feel like if you sleep in a castle, you have to put on, you know, some sort of silk pajamas of some sort. You know, just oh, to yeah. really <laughs> um,
1: sit uh, on the windows there dramatically outside
0: oh, yeah. the landscape mm-hmm. a single like stub of candle burning out next to your bed <laughs> um, mm-hmm. just ideal uh but yeah she gets up she's awoken by a crack of lightning and who is in the window but a a real vampire or so we think
1: that's, that's the problem with those big open windows
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You,
1: they're, you see them wide open and then vampires can get in
0: but we're going to have to pause there. And we'll come back to see if Daphne survives this encounter after we play a quick round of Scooby or Not Scooby. Now, this is a, a game in which uh, each week I collect a series of titles, some of which will be the title of a Scooby-Doo episode, and some of which will be titles of something else. And Lizzie, there's something else mm-hmm. this week is, is it a Scooby-Doo episode or Twilight fan fiction?
2: Oh, now, no.
0: <laughs> I pulled these not from fanfiction.net, but from Archive of Our Own. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> we're <laughs> we're really, really
2: taking it back. Blessed uh-huh. from the past.
0: Yeah, I am, uh, I am honoring <laughs> these, the, the brave creators who put these forth into the world. Um, just... Real, those are the real heroes. What can I say? Um, okay, so here we go. You ready?
1: I'm as ready as I'll ever be.
3: Who's afraid of the big bad werewolf? Scooby.
0: This is Scooby Doo. Uh, there are, of course, uh, werewolves in Twilight, but this is a Scooby Doo. Um, this is from Scooby Doo, Where Are You? On a camping trip, the gang encounter glowing red eyes staring at them accompanied by an eerie wolf howl, following the tracks to an abandoned mill that get caught up in a smuggling plan and a werewolf. Um, very fun classic episode. How about the nightmare before Christmas? I think that's that's got to be
3: twilight.
0: You are correct. <laughs> you're correct Scooby-Doo did not just blatantly rip off um, one of the most popular well, this movies is of pre, the nineties
1: Pre Nightmare before Christmas, right?
0: No, no that movie came out uh before Twilight easily um so yeah, this is by lyrical Chris on Archive of our Own when Edward's son died, he took Edward's heart and soul with him. even a decade of mourning doesn't seem good enough, but then. Edward met college junior Bella, who thrived despite her own tragedy. Can Edward's cold, dead heart beat again? Nah, so I assume this knows. all takes place on Christmas.
1: And she teaches him the power of love.
0: Uh huh.
1: This seems a little bit more like a Grinch story to me, but. It
0: does, yeah. What do I know? How about the spooky case of the Grand Prix race? <laughs>
1: hmm that one's pretty
0: hard but i i guess maybe Scooby we do <laughs> this is a scooby-doo you're right this is it's uh, not
2: a fanfic wow that's no, so the scooby-doo
0: show the gang go to watch a grand prix race imagine that only to run afoul of a phantom race car driver that makes the other drivers in their cars disappear um Ooh. how about chocolate and leather whips
1: hope to God that's not Scooby-Doo. A fa- fanfic, I'm going to pray. <laughs> you are correct.
0: This is a fanfic. This is by CrazyK85. Um, Edward Cullen is a 21-year-old who has the world at his fingertips. He has great education, money, and plenty of women. The things he feels entitled to. But what happens when an innocent meeting with a beautiful but older Bella Swan at a coffee shop turns into something he never expected? Will a hot and assertive woman like Bella, who likes to take control, finally be able to teach a young, cocky Edward about life, sex, and women? Maybe taking some liberties with the Twilight uh, storyline there, uh-huh. um, but you know, I
1: love the the, the power dynamic that they are trying to establish here. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Very and good stuff.
1: Very
3: bold.
0: Um. Okay. How about Nebuchadnezzar's dream? <laughs>
1: I'm going to say
0: Scooby, I think. (laughs) This is a Twilight fan fiction here. (laughs) Um,
1: No way! Yeah.
0: (laughs) This is by Vanell. This one doesn't have a synopsis. Instead, it just has a tease. So I'm going to read this to you. Your colleagues at the hospital are getting suspicious, Alice told Carlisle a week before the world ended. You're going to have to do something about that. So, what a... What a... uh. Tease that is that one sounds good. Um, that one I I was looking at um has was written has about one hundred and eighty thousand words. Um, so wow uh, <laughs> big commitment by Vanel there, uh, really <laughs> putting the work in on that one. Um, okay, let's see if you can get this one. The less than immaculate conception. I I'm gonna say. Eight. Fanfic. Yeah, this one's a fanfic. Uh, this one's by okay. the Carnivorous okay. Muffin. Um, okay. what Bella Swan, early in her sojourn with the mole people, chooses the wrong door. Now she's pregnant, Carlisle sleeping with the wrong Volturi, and Eros' plan is falling to pieces. The mole people. She, she made a mistake.
3: Is
1: it a satire?
0: I uh, don't know. <laughs> could not tell you. <laughs> okay, listen closely. Uh, Scooby's Luck of the Irish.
1: Scooby, I think.
0: Yeah, what's what a Scooby-Doo Going episode. Out on a limb here. <laughs> um, this is from Scooby and Scrappy-Doo. Uh, when Scrappy catches a leprechaun named Pat O'Wiley in his Scrappy trap, the leprechaun refuses to tell him where his pot of gold is. Um, so you got that one. This is just to really show you that fan fiction is not a lesser art form than any other form of writing, because that was someone got paid to write Sco- Scooby's Luck of the Irish. Um, so, you know, well, that just, like
1: a dream job, though. If I'm yeah. being honest.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, could you tell that I made this quiz at 2 a.m. last night?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I got one wrong, so if no. You could have told me.
0: Okay. Well, there's one left. Okay so see if you can get this the dominatrix and mrs o oh
3: well
1: i'm i'm gonna say that's fanfic but who who is mrs o
0: this is a fan fiction you're correct this is by denia Steele. um Bella is graduating with her PhD in psychology and has earned her license to dominate with the hopes of being able to use them together for her career. She answers an ad for manager of a brand new BDSM club that is opening and eventually all the twilight characters become involved too. Rated M for adult situations. So there you go. That was Scooby or not Scooby.
1: (laughs) Very, very difficult game
0: yeah yeah we're really pushing the boundaries of 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 it on this one um yeah i very quickly found out uh because i came up with this the idea for this quiz that all fan fictions have names like you know like the midnight rose or like you were a dream that my heart couldn't take or something it's like, <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous um but of course we love and respect the art form as well yeah um
2: I mean, I feel like they're
1: the modern-day bodice rippers.
0: Yes, of course, of course. Um, I mean, and sometimes they're written by people who aren't, like, 12.
1: Yeah, it's just true. Um, Sometimes the studios decide to adapt directly from the fanfic, and we see how that goes, but, you know, you can't can't, uh, criticize it when it's, you know... Got such a stranglehold on pop culture.
0: If it weren't for Twilight fanfiction, I mean, we wouldn't have the past five years of Dakota Johnson's career, and like that is true. Where would we be? You know, we'd be worse off. That's for sure. Um,
2: yeah.
0: So think about that next time you you guys are putting it down. Um, yeah. Not that you would. I'm sure that. The millions of listeners of heavy metal are all, you know, they're cool people. Um, they know better. Yeah. So we're back to the episode. Uh, Daphne's okay. <laughs> um,
1: Thank yes. God. I was and, on the edge of my freaking seat.
0: I know. I'm sorry to leave you on Tinder hooks like that, but uh, yeah, she's uh, she's all right. And this is something I found funny which is obviously you know Daphne climbs right into bed she's she ch- has time to change into her nightgown and everything but we then cut to everyone else who's inexplicably just outside her door fully dressed and awake <laughs> um they're like that sounds like Daphne so uh Fred Velma Shaggy Scooby Dusk or not Dusk pointedly not Dusk but Thorn and Luna <laughs> all run in and uh they surprise the vampire and he falls out the window and disappears um then dusk does show up conspicuously late um which is fun it's fun that she's a suspect too
3: uh i'd love it if it was her honestly but um Mm. would make
1: i don't want to spoil the end but i i kind of forgot that this era of scooby-doo there wasn't always like as many layers to it yeah (laughs) Like, yeah. they not throw in as many red herrings as they do i think in later iterations
0: yeah i mean i will say that this is a very complex episode of scooby-doo just in the sense that it's got ten thousand things happening at any point like this is jam-packed into this like 20 minute episode there's so much going on um but but yes the actual mystery is like paper thin um but yeah uh dusk shows up Maybe it's Dusk, who knows? Daphne says, however, that she's convinced that that was Steve Fortescue. It looked exactly like him. But there's a problem. Steve is still locked down in his cell. So we go downstairs, and he's there, and he's under watch by Owen DeCastle. Um, So how could it be Steve? Scooby-Doo suggests that maybe he can turn into a bat cuz he's a vampire which I think is a very rational and good explanation. I appreciate Scooby, you know, contributing to the team. You know?
3: Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't talk in in what's new Scooby do or
1: just not this episode.
0: I feel like he doesn't have yeah, he doesn't does he not have a line at all? I don't think he does.
1: He doesn't talk in this episode so I, and there's always also like there's no jankies, there is no deepers. Mm
0: no was, no zoinks
1: but i couldn't remember if if scooby i mean he does speak but i didn't remember if maybe they just didn't have him speak in what's new scooby do but they must have
0: he does talk of course not for it's just I mean, not, not, not as much one. as he does can later but he doesn't have me? any lines at all in this episode yeah you're right No. That's yeah i remember
1: that because he he points at the bat instead of saying anything
0: mm-hmm. yeah he uh he does a he like gestures um Interesting. He
1: still gets the message across, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even think he ends the episode saying Scooby-Doo because they end the episode with it. Like, he usually ends with going Scooby-Doo-Doo, but they ended with the theme song this time, so he doesn't even get that line in. Um, Interesting. Interesting. Um, So, yeah, uh, Scooby-Doo thinks he's a bat. Uh, Velma thinks he's got an accomplice, and Fred agrees with her completely ignoring Scooby's wonderful theory, Um, frankly rude, I'll be honest. Um, So now it's finally time to split up, and uh, Shaggy and Scooby go to the kitchens, and they start whipping up a bunch of garlic-heavy food, um, which vampires, of course, despise. Notoriously. Yeah.
3: Which really sucks for them, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's good stuff, garlic. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: and it's in so many different foods.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did, did they just not? Did they just avoid pasta, whole cloth? That's sad.
1: I mean, they can't even eat the, like most Italian food.
0: Yeah, if a vampire went to you know Naples, he would be just.
1: Yeah, I guess ash. they really eat blood, so <laughs> it doesn't really That's matter. True. But yeah, they just can't
0: yeah. stand garlic. You'd think that maybe that garlic would actually like improve the taste of blood. It would thicken it up, right? <laughs> they should. They should love. Uh, they should love Italian blood more than anyone else because it's it's you know yeah. very tasty.
1: Oh, I feel like there's a lot. We've just uncovered a really important thing to think about with vampire mythology, but mm-hmm. yeah, gar- the garlic paradox.
0: Well they're just anti-italians which means that they're i guess yeah, of course they're racist
1: in the blood of anyone who's consumed garlic. Yeah.
0: It's messed up. Wow. Messed up.
1: That's messed
0: up. Um they should I mean I'm I think we just have to cancel the empires, I'll be honest with you. Um it's, it's offensive. They're going to be that racist against Italians. <laughs> um <sighs> So uh, meanwhile Fred Velma and Daphne are in the other part of the castle, and they hear screams coming from a room that seems to be shared by all
3: three Hex uh, Girls at once. Um, yep. <laughs> so they uh, they go
0: in there, and Thorn and Luna are like cowering in the corner, and a bat is flying over their head, and they say
3: dusk disappeared in a flash
0: of light and was replaced by this bat now this is something we see happen later on and it is never mm. remotely attempted to be explained <laughs> <laughs> no not not even you're right <laughs> like, <laughs> um, which i mean I guess they don't have to, but I feel like they kind of have to. <laughs> you know, you got to give me something. <laughs> what 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 happened here? Why 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 are people vanishing in flashes of light to being replaced by bats? It doesn't doesn't uh make sense at all. <laughs> but um Oh well. It's fun, I guess. It's just adding another wrinkle to the story.
3: Yeah. Third, you have the scent a little bit.
0: If you were with your friends and one of them there's a big flash of light Our vanity, I'm like what's going on big flash of light that's weird and then your friend is gone and a bat is in their place
4: mm-hmm.
3: what are you doing in that scenario I mean gosh I think first you
1: have to establish has your friend been turned into the bat or mm-hmm. have they been Swapped with the bat.
0: Oh, that's a great point.
1: If it's the first one, then you know, you take them home with you and you, then you go from there. But mm-hmm. if you've just got some random bat on your hands and your friend is in a cave somewhere, then you need to get your butt moving
4: mm-hmm.
1: and maybe call animal control. So I guess it depends. I guess the first thing I would do is try and establish.
3: Yeah. <laughs> if the bat is just a bat or a bat
0: It's a good point. Um, What would you do? I'm leaving.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're just going to leave no matter what.
0: Look, they say if you wake up in a room with a a bat, you have to go to the hospital because the bat's bites are so small that it's impossible to see if you've been bitten or not. So you have no way of knowing if you have a transmittable disease. Mm. Um, And I'm not going to chance it. I'm not gonna chance getting either rabies or vampirism. Either one. I don't want either one.
1: That's that's fair. That is a very possible decision.
0: That I'm leaving you in the dust, but no thank you.
1: I understand. It's okay.
3: I forgive you.
0: Have you ever been to see like bats get like like leave a cave or something like that? Or like the bridge at Austin?
1: Yes. Um, years and years and years ago which is, I think, a, very much a Texas-specific thing that during that season, you can go to the caves and at sunset, they'll just leave the cave. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're, they're fun little critters.
0: They're so cool. Bats are so cool. <laughs> um,
1: they're so cool. There's, they're, uh, there's some sort of rehabilitation center in Austin that I, I have some friends who visited, and it's very cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're a little unnerving to be near one. But far well, they're away.
1: vampires,
2: so. yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a reason why people have been scared of them for millennia, <laughs> um, because they're kind of like fucked up, <laughs> <laughs> they're like
1: weird rats with wings,
0: yeah. I don't like it that
1: bite you and <laughs> eat your blood,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I like them, but like, I don't want to be near one, <laughs> no, thank you, yeah, um, yeah. Bats are cool. Uh, um so yeah, so so Dusk is a bat now. <laughs> Dusk
4: has
1: presumably turned into a bat.
0: <laughs> Freddie, Daphne, and and Velma don't even like interrogate this or like they're they're not concerned at all. Or <laughs> face. They just move on. <laughs> and uh they because Fred has found a secret passageway, um, which is always cool. Secret passageway in an old castle. I mean, you love to see it. That's so they funny. go up these stairs to this hidden tower where they find a a dusty old chest which inside has a smudged birth certificate that seems to read Stu Fortescue and Daphne's like well why did you change his name and Fred says I don't know maybe he has more issues than we think (laughs) like excuse me (laughs) he just he just Changed the name from the one he was born with, and uh, that's a problem. I mean his name S T E W like Stew, like like beef stew. Like that I would change my name too. That's a terrible name. Yeah. <laughs> no offense if that's your name, but like, you know, maybe consider changing it, even to Steve. Um yeah, just I, <laughs> really weird <laughs> line <from> Fred there. <laughs> um so then they bump into JJ Hakamoto again. He's like, Hey, I need to remind you that I'm in this episode. I'm also a suspect, by the way. Um, I want to film the vampire. I want to be the first to film him. And, uh, you know, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the castle, you'll be able to watch Forever Fangs from JJ Hakamoto. It's just this whole thing. He sequence to be this. Super successful Steven Spielberg esque director, and uh, yeah, that's his whole thing, and that's the whole interaction, and then he's gone again. Um, I don't know, uh, I guess it's fun to have a lot of different suspects, even if there's only one possible person that could be, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. What are you gonna do? Um, weirdly. I was reading the promo for this episode, uh, advertised it as the first episode in which there would not be a solution. And that after watching it, you could go online and guess who it was. Um, But this is not true. (laughs) Like we watched it. There's not only one in masking, there's two of them. (laughs) Like they very much make it very clear who it is. So I don't understand why they would lie to children in that way. I guess if it gets you to watch, then it gets you to watch. But I think that anyone would tune in just upon seeing what the Hex Girls were in this episode. You know,
1: Because there was nothing else on television, because at this period in time, you if yeah. it was on TV, you had to make sure you were watching it when it was...
0: Yeah, kids couldn't watch YouTube. They couldn't... No, I don't... I, I don't
2: it didn't think exist. Can't,
0: they couldn't watch... Uh, you can play Minecraft, they could only yeah, watch Scooby-Doo.
1: Watch Scooby-Doo, or you record it and you rewatch it.
0: hmm these are your options. I don't know what else yeah, you that's it. could do. <laughs> Go Back outside. Back
1: in
3: the olden
0: times. <laughs> um, So speaking of the X-Girls, then we get our chase scene this episode, which is of course to Wed But I Fled, which is again a banger. Just a fun little chase scene to run around the castle from the vampire, you know. Uh, like um, Velma pulls a Benjamin Franklin and gets him to fly a kite in the lightning, which gets him electrocuted. Mm-hmm. Uh, Freddy uh, sword fights him with a candelabra, which is fun as well. Just good stuff, just classic yeah. little gags. Um, it's interesting that we didn't get like a a scene where Shaggy and Scooby like dress up you know and uh and like do mm. a bit you know they could address yeah. up as vampires or something
3: I,
1: i'm thinking they had to maybe make some room for the extended theme song at the end but yeah then again we did have that random desk scene that was never fully resolved <laughs> yeah. so.
0: i mean it's a it's a jam packed episode for sure for yeah sure. can't do everything um so they run out to the graveyard uh which is just Well, what a great aesthetic. A a graveyard in front of a Transylvanian castle in a thunderstorm. Like, come on. Come on. You can't get better than this.
1: Quality material right there. Mm
0: -hmm. Like, I would like to move to this specific place in this specific time. Um, But uh, we get, there's a, a sudden vampire silhouette behind the gang and a flash of light. And then Fred is gone missing, and there's a bat
3: in his place. Ooh, spooky! Very spooky.
0: Um, fun whenever that Fred goes missing. It's fun when it's like someone other than Daphne. Um, yeah, it's always fun to change up the status quo in that manner. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we have to we have to split up again because Shaggy and Scooby are in charge of watching Batfred while uh, Velma and Daphne go off to try to solve this mystery. Um, Shag and Scooby immediately reveal themselves to be incompetent at this task <laughs> because <laughs> the bat flies off and uh, leaving them to um, have to go chase after him. Yeah. Meanwhile, he
1: well, was a little insensitive with his comment.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's mean to, to Batfred. Yeah, should
3: have been more considerate. Yeah, come on. Okay, we all make mistakes. We're
1: human. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, if if, if there was never any tension, then uh, how would they ever grow as friends? You know.
1: Yeah, and I think in the end, Batfred they they overcome their they they, they got over, overcame their differences. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I wish Batfred stuck around. Yeah. You know, Become the yeah. new, the new sixth crappy. member of the gang. Yeah, the new Scrappy is a bat <laughs> that doesn't talk. That would be the dream. <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh, meanwhile, you know, Velma and Daphne continue their investigation. Uh, Velma finds a photo of Steve Fortescue as a little boy standing in front of a mirror, which mm-hmm. Daphne points out proves that he cannot be a vampire. As we all know, vampires' reflections do not show in the mirror. Um, meanwhile, Shaggy and Scooby are... This is my favorite part of the episode, which is when Shaggy and Scoob find their way to a, a, like an abandoned tower because they've followed Bat Fred here, and instead it's just filled with bats all over the place. Mm-hmm. And they have to, to figure out <laughs> which one is Freddy. So like, Scooby Doo miming again doesn't use a, a, a word, but uh, points out the one of them's you know super jacked because as we all know, Fred's Fred is <laughs> right, jacked, obviously mm-hmm. big muscular boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then one, and Shaggy's like, "Well, I don't know." This one kind of looks like he's forming a plan, <laughs> which is a funny funny line. It's like, how does that bat look like he's forming a plan?" Come on, Shaggy, come on. Um, but then. Uh, they, they decide that the one who you know, like kind of snuggles up next to, to Scooby is Bat Fred because he's wanting to be their friend. Um, meanwhile, uh, Daphne has dressed up as a vampire bride, which is an iconic look for Daphne. She looks great.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, really good stuff, you know, with the, with the red hair, you know, in the, in the, the wedding gown done up to her neck like she looks straight out of a gothic painting it's great stuff you love to see it um so she goes out onto the the parapet you know the ramparts and um sure enough the vampire shows up looking for his bribe um velma who of course is a skeptic has got a ring of garlic around her neck just in case
1: <laughs> just in
0: case covered in her bases. We, we we appreciate that. You know, pragmatism is her is her bag. Um and then uh she gets bumped into by the vampire and she or no by scooby doo and she loses her glasses so she can't throw the net on the vampire in time. But uh luckily uh he's uh knocked off the parapet by Freddy who jumps out of nowhere. Um <laughs> And Fred's like, oh, yeah, I was just like up in that tower.
1: (laughs) (laughs) With no explanation as to how he got there.
0: Nope. Like, yeah, I was being kept up there, but I'm here now. (laughs) Like, okay, great. Good to see you. Is dusk with you? (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, so the vampire is hanging from the parapet. He climbs up and then slips on the garlic, um, which film is like, hey, maybe garlic does repel vampires. And then uh, we unmask him, or unmake up him, and it is Steve Fortescue? What? But he's down in the dungeon. Of course. Um, In fact, uh, Owen DeCastle brings him up all tied up, and he's like, hey, look, I got Steve right here. Um, But then velma genius velma points out that this is in fact steve's identical twin stew and that Mm. the photo of him in the mirror is in fact not a mirror at all but two identical boys standing in front of each other she cracked the case she's a real genius um yeah, they kind of give like half an explanation as to his motive, which is just like uh, he wants the castle, I guess. You know, he doesn't want the hex girls there. Sure. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Um doesn't want Owen the castle to own the castle, that's for sure. <laughs> but Shaggy shows up, he's got Fred batting on his shoulder, and he's like, Oh, Fred's here. And then the episode ends, of course as it should with the hex girls singing the theme song for what's new scooby doo mm-hmm. what else could you ask for really just good stuff
3: I would it may love... not be consistent or have a very strong structure
1: but boy is it entertaining and boy did they jam pack so much iconic stuff in there
0: so much stuff in here so much stuff i'd love to go to like a live concert where somebody plays the what's new scooby doo song i mean
1: Oh my gosh.
0: People would go crazy. Crazy.
1: I think though we were kind of the last bit of that demographic. I think now it would really depend on, on who is in the room with you because there are people now who this was not their Scooby-Doo and they wouldn't know the song.
0: Yeah. Kids these days would be like, can you do a TikTok dance? <laughs> can you, can, can you, can we play Fortnite instead? <laughs> That's what kids these days are like.
3: Yeah. They're not mm-hmm. going
1: out and chasing vampires in Transylvanian castles. They're just on their stupid phone.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, come mm-hmm. on. Shameful. Ah, it is. It really is. Um, well, we're going to get the chance to rank this on our heavy metal tier list here in a second. But first, Lizzie, it's time for Jinkies or Stinkies.
3: Oh, yay.
0: Now, this is a segment we do each week on this show in which I collect a series of stories, six stories or facts that are related to a topic covered in the episode. Some of these stories will be true, which are jinkies, and some of them will be fake, which are stinkies. Now, the topic I have for you this week, because in our The Hex Girls, the topic is music videos. Oh, boy. <laughs> So, we'll see. Okay. Um, Here we go. The epidemic of surprise cake has been along since long before Twitter even existed. One of the most memorable music videos of the 1980s was the Alice in Wonderland-inspired Don't Come Around Here No More by Tom Petty in The Heartbreakers. Released in 1985, the music video features the late Tom Petty as the Mad Hatter, who, in a psychedelic recreation of the iconic tea party scene, takes a slice out of Alice's torso and eats it like a cake. The video was censored slightly. They chose not to use strawberry jam to replicate blood and cut out a moment in which Petty lets out a strong belch, but it was too late. The damage was done. The video sparked outrage from parents and think pieces asserting that Petty was promoting cannibalism. One of those parents was Tipper Gore, we went on to found the Parents Music Resource Center, which was a scourge to the music world for decades. Is this a jinky or a stinky?
1: I think this is a jinky.
0: This is a jinky. You're right. You're right. You're right.
1: I was going to be really impressed if that was a stinky and you came up with that all on your own.
0: It'd be very complicated if I had come up with that on my own. But you know, Very some- thorough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But sometimes they. They could be thorough. You never know. Okay, music video controversies may have been more prominent in the past, but that doesn't mean they slowed down in the 2010s. Especially if your name is Stephanie Germanata, aka Lady Gaga, building an entire career of sparking conversation. Gaga's music videos have run the gamut from allegedly satanic imagery to the fire-starting Judas video. There's seemingly nothing she wouldn't do. However, there was one instance in her career in which she was talked out of pushing too many buttons in a 2018 interview swedish director jonas ackerlund discussed the creative process behind the paparazzi music video the video which features gaga dancing on crutches in one of her trademark outlandish outfits was originally supposed to take a different approach according to Ackerland, gaga wanted to portray princess diana in the video in gagafied versions of her most famous dresses being driven to madness by constant paparazzi attention. The video is meant to end with Gaga in the back of the Mercedes, being fed up by the constant camera flash, and reaching up to the front seat and jerking the steering wheel to the side, thereby causing her own death in a car crash to escape the paparazzi. Supposedly, Gaga's agents talked her out of the idea, as it had only been a little over a decade since the accident, and they didn't want to appear insensitive. Is this a jinky or a stinky?
1: I this is gonna make me sad,
0: but I think it's a jinky. This is a stinky. I made it up. I made it up.
1: What? Yes. Did yes. she? There was some controversy though about her with with Princess Diana.
0: Is there? I genuinely don't know. I did make that up. Whole I class. think so. What?
1: Wow. You're <laughs> <laughs> you're really accurate. Or I'm I'm just making things up.
0: I mean, it could very well be possible. She definitely like was really. Pushing boundaries at the beginning maybe of her career.
1: That.
0: Okay, well, you're fifty 50 50 so far.
1: It said in in twenty seventeen she called Princess Diana another dead blonde. Oof. Well. Okay. So you were you were borrowing maybe Maybe without to- even knowing. I was. Who knows? Without even knowing. All right. Okay. All right. Well I'm I'm got one.
0: Yep. One of the most controversial music videos ever made is for Erykah Badu's Window Seat, which was filmed guerrilla-style on the streets of Dallas, Texas, in 2010. There was no crew, just a camera operator in a single continuous take. The video is hazy and kind of slow to mimic the famous Zapruder film and sees Badu slowly stripped to fully nude as she walks the Dealey Plaza, only to be abruptly shot in the exact location of the Kennedy assassination. After hitting the ground, blue blood fo- flows out of Badu's corpse, forming the words, Groupthink. Badu said the video was intended to reflect character assassination by mob mentality, Lets you show your true self to the world. Naturally, the video stoked major controversy, and Badu was given a fine from the city of Dallas for disorderly conduct. In the aftermath, she declared this to be emblematic of her point, saying the video was a prediction of what is happening now though others might consider it a self-fulfilling prophecy. Is this a jinky or stinky?
3: Jinky.
0: It's a jinky. This is a... All
2: right. Video.
0: Good job. Okay, so for the, that, for the next three, we're going to move away from controversy and instead discuss um, three music videos made, or like the world of music videos in the era of the internet, right? So... There are many actors who have taken ill-advised ventures into music careers, from William Shatner to Steven Seagal. But arguably the worst or greatest example is Baywatch superstar David Hasselhoff. Having basically already tapped out of his potential as an actor in the late 1980s, Hasselhoff launched his music career. Critically reviled in the United States, Hoff inexplicably, inexplicably... became a major sensation in Germany, with a single Looking for Freedom doing huge numbers in 1989 in anticipation of the reunification of Germany. Already considered washed up by 97, Hoff released his least successful album yet, Hooked on a Feeling, featuring the titular lead single, a cover of the original B.J. Thomas Tin. After this, he released what many consider to be the worst music video of all time that he directed himself. Personally, I disagree, and think it is one of the best ever made. The video consists of Hasselhoff standing in front of a green screen, singing to the camera as the background behind him changes. He snowboards down a mountain, goes on a safari, but the only animals he sees are wiener dogs, goes flying with Canada geese, dances with African tribesmen, and chases after angels on a motorcycle. The video was uploaded to YouTube in 2006 and has over 15 million views. That one's a lot of information, I'm realizing now. Uh, reads mostly like a Wikipedia article, but is it true? Listen,
3: I think it's a stinky.
0: This one is a jinky. It is all oh. true. It does sound like word vomit, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it is it is true. Um, all right, so we've got two left, and you're at fifty fifty. Oh
4: gosh.
0: One of the most well-known music videos, for better or worse, is Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up, as a result of the internet meme Rickrolling. Rickrolling, of course, is the process of pranking someone who thinks they're receiving a link to something else with a surprise link to Astley's video. People have been Rickrolling for over 15 years at this point, though it has waned in popularity. One of the most successful and dramatic Rickrollings was performed by Gavin Harmon in 2009. At at that time, Gavin was the 14-year-old son of the Honorable Harriet Harman, the then-English Minister for Women and Equality and Speaker for the House of Commons. Gavin used his mother's government email address to send a file to every member of the Cabinet of the United Kingdom, including the then-Prime Minister Gordon Brown. The email was was in anticipation of a meeting of the Government Equalities Committee the next day, and the link was labeled as a letter from the head of an organization of female Afghani refugees. In reality, of course, it was a Rick Rowling. Harriet Harman said it was the most mortified she had ever been, and the incident resulted in every member of the British government having to take a course in cybersecurity practices. Is this a chinky or stinky?
3: Uh, I kind of want to say it's a jinky.
0: <laughs> Which one? A jinky. This is a stinky. I made what? all of this up. Yes, it's fake.
1: I'm not very good at this game. This is, I'm like, this is my second time on.
0: And
4: <laughs>
2: it's okay. Stop me. Did no,
1: no, it's a compliment to you. You're so good at <laughs> creating, creating the stories and the details.
0: Okay, well, maybe you can get this last one and you'll be at 50 50 for the fun.
1: Okay, I'll take here, it.
0: Here we go. Jeremy Hilliard is an online content creator from Canada, best known for recreating famous music videos with his pet ferret, Hoagie. Hoagie was the star of over 60 different YouTube videos on the channel Hoagie's Stage, many of which went viral as he took on the rodent persona of famous pop stars like David Bowie, Michael Jackson, and Madonna. The most popular Hoagie stage video racked up 6 million views in 2010 and was a recreation of Katy Perry's iconic California Girls music video. With Hoagie wearing various candy outfits, but being much more interested in eating them than committing to the choreography, in 2013, however, tragedy struck when Hilliard released a statement on Twitter that Hoagie had contracted cryptococcosis, a usually fatal respiratory disease common amongst ferrets. Over $60,000 was released was raised for Hoagie in a GoFundMe, but it was too late as Hoagie passed away a week later. After the dust settled, an article from BuzzFeed News revealed that Hoagie was already dead when the GoFundMe began. And to make matters worse, the vet said he contracted cryptococcosis from exposure, likely the result of being forced to sit in an outdoor pool for hours on end to recreate the last music video he ever shot, a parody of Miley Cyrus's We Can't Stop. PETA and other outraged former fans forced Hilliard to step out of the public eye for nearly a decade, but he's back now selling NFTs of Hoagie's most iconic moments. Fuck Jeremy. Is this a jinky or stinky?
1: I think it's a stinky, but I, I want it to be real. That's
0: this I'm is stinky. Thing. I made it um, entirely. <laughs> God, <laughs>
1: what an elaborate emotional journey you just took me on.
0: Yeah, it's a great story. I wish it was true. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Archie got three out of six. That is not
1: bad. OK. So maybe um, by the next time I, I come on this show, I'll,
0: I'll <laughs> finally win a round of this. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, well, what we have to do now is we have to rank this episode on our heavy metal tier list. So, as we know, there are five tiers. Starting from the bottom is the rut Row tier. It's the absolute worst of the worst. The bottom of the barrel. Then up from there is the Scooby Dumb tier. That's episodes we think are dumb. And then up from there is the Just another mystery tier. That's kind of the middle of the road. You know, it's not bad, but it doesn't do anything special. Then we have the groovy tier. That's for episodes that we like a lot, but just don't do enough to make it into the best of the best. The cream of the crop, the golden scoop tier. What are we thinking for
3: The Vampire Strikes Back? I think on the whole, it ranks at groovy.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah. What do you think? I don't think it's it's bad enough, or is lacking structure or coherency enough to be just another mystery. But I do think it was lacking, and that yeah. certain je ne sais quoi that would put us in that fifth tier.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we are, we love to see the Hex Girls and everything, and we it is fun that they kind of mess with the formula a little bit. But it is that's enough to get it to groovy. But it just, it is not like a perfect episode it obviously has problems it has threads that they just never <laughs> you know, return to <laughs> or address. um but it is definitely a lot of fun and has some great fun. moments
1: like it's, I- it. it's iconic you know mm-hmm. i think in terms of like most memorable episodes i think the hex girls ones definitely rank up and the highest
3: yeah we love them
1: come on yeah i um, think groovy yeah they're Definite. It's a definitely a groovy episode.
0: Groovy, easy. Um, I think that's a perfect place for it. So, Lizzie, thank you so much for coming back to heavy metal. I appreciate it. Um, thank you for wanting to for agreeing to cover this episode and being the first person for Vamprel. Uh,
2: no got. Thank you for
1: having me, and happy Vamprel.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much. We've got three more weeks of fun vampire episodes coming up with a bunch of fun guests. Um, so keep an eye out for those. I can guarantee you that some of those episodes will rank on the lower tiers on our tier list. So that's something fun to look forward to if that's, you know, your, your bag. Um, but for now, it's all about the vampire strikes back. Lizzie. Thank you so much for being here. Do you have anything that you would like to plug for the listeners? Uh,
1: yeah. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Literature with Lizzie. Uh, I haven't posted anything recently, but I do. That is where I live on the internet mostly.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: And of course, on heavy metal. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Listen to your previous episode, "The Secret Serum." Um, Another vampire episode. Um, We may be out of vampire episodes by the next time you come on, so we'll have to find something else for you. Um, Okay, I I can do witches. I can do
1: zombies. I can do whatever.
0: There's plenty of witches, let me tell you. Um, Oh yeah, (laughs) so that'll be good. Um, If you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at the real You can follow the show at Heavy Metal Pod, also on Twitter. Uh, If you liked this. Uh, please feel free to subscribe to this show. Um, it's a weekly show. I'm really, I was kind of waning a little bit, but I'm I'm back in it. I'm I'm really having fun making it again, and uh, I, we got a lot of really fun things coming up. Um, and I, like it's, it's vamprol, come on, everyone loves vamprol. Uh. You didn't know about vamprol, but now you do. Word of mouth is a great way to grow niche podcasts like this one. Um, and one more thank you to Lizzie Smith for joining me this week, and to all of you for listening. And to all you meddling kids out there, remember to stay groovy. I gotta have
4: some time to make my mind see